Plus, I think a little extra mystery on our end with guests is probably good. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, please don't judge me. <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch. So there's a cat stuck on my wall. What of it? Oh, man. So how'd you like that fire alarm in the middle of this one? That was spicy. <laughs> love that <laughs> it was so funny because i was like oh we're gonna go the whole way without either having barking dogs no fire alarms no you know, thunder but no then it's like just kidding welcome to delivering extra a podcast dedicated to setting your brand apart here we talk with industry experts on building brands, growing teams, and positioning companies toward the remarkable. I'm your host, David Ezel, and I'm the founder of The Lanyap Group, a branding and marketing agency for high growth companies. We creatively and strategically craft brands that attract the spotlight. And I'm Nicole Panic Girl, graphic designer and co-host. To learn more about working with us, head to thelanyapgroup.com to schedule a free consult. Today's guest is Nick Hughes, founder of Founders Live. Founders Live is an unforgettable happy hour competition where up to five hand-picked companies take the hot seat with only 99 seconds to pitch their company and the crowd votes on the winner. What's up, Nick? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you, what's happening? Not much. Where are you today? I'm in Dallas, my man. Nice. I didn't know if it was still road tripping from Austin, trying to uh, escape the crazy weather. Oh, geez, man. No, uh, but I heard that thunder last night. Yeah, I had earplugs in. I was I was out, but I know <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, cool. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, Want to introduce you to Nicole as well. Nicole is in a bit of a different climate, albeit colder, but not quite the thunderstorm central. She's up in Michigan. Yep. Northern Michigan, to be exact. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. How are you? Good. Good. We're excited to get this underway, and hopefully we'll remember to record all of it. <laughs> oh, man. So so Monday, we had another podcast with a girl that actually pitched at Founders Live. And we, you know, like on the email, we have two different Zoom links. So we went through the first one. It was all fine. And we were jumping over to the second one. And when we finished, I couldn't find the second video link anywhere. And apparently I just never hit record. So oh, that, no. was, that was how that started. So yeah, this one's actually going. And if we need to switch over, let's just group effort to help David not forget to hit record. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, our next guest this week is Nick Hughes. Um, Nick is the founder of Founders Live. Nick has an incredible story. Um, and he's even on a 12 month full year road trip tour visiting different Founders Live locations across the country and some even international. So um, welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here and it's uh, fun to be in Dallas for the month. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're super glad to have you. Um, it was actually my first time to, to meet Nick in person was earlier this month when we had Founders Live Dallas. That was just craziness during startup week. But, but yeah, just can't wait for you to share more of your story. Um, tell everybody more about Founders Live. Uh, like we said, we kind of talked a little bit about your kind of year long tour and what that's like and all of that. So before we go too far, just tell us a little bit about Nick Hughes. Tell us about, you know, 
everything that's kind of led up to this point before we really delve into Founders Live? Yeah, you know, um, I have been an entrepreneur for quite some time. I mean, you know, when people ask me, like, you know, when when did this all start in terms of entrepreneurship? And, you know, I can't even really, I can't even pinpoint the exact time. But um, basically, in 2011 was when I quit my last full-time job that was not in the entrepreneurial or the startup technology industry. And um, that was really my first time of being co-founder CEO of my my own company. And so we're talking about about 10, almost 10 years, uh, you know, eight, eight, nine years ago. And it's been a wild ride. And so, you know, I would just, you know, we can touch on a ton of these things, but I would just say that, you know, for almost 10 years, I've been driving my own company or my own pursuits and it's now normal. I mean, it's not anything except the way that I live and, and all that. So, you know, obviously we've met finally in person, which is great, but you'll just sense that, you know, that is me in, in, you know, I created a company called founders live, but in general, just, I am an entrepreneur. I love creating, I love growing things that, you know, I, I birthed from an idea or a Google spreadsheet and um, that's who I am. Man, that's, that's awesome. So before we kind of get into the whole um, kind of 12 month road trip tour and all of the shenanigans that have ensued from that. Um, so just tell everybody that's not familiar with Founders Live, tell everybody a little bit more about what that is. Yes. So, you know, Founders Live is a global platform for entrepreneurship and, um, you know, startups. And we have uh, both an online component that really you can think about it as like a, you know, Facebook for entrepreneurs in the sense that I don't, don't necessarily like that example, but it's uh, really, it's a social platform where people can connect. They can really, what we say is inspire, educate, and entertain. So we're really about um, bringing a system and platform to people that are all around the world that are creating their own companies. And whether it's a startup or, you know, a technology-oriented startup or even just their own business. Um, but then we also have uh, these events, these events that are now spreading around the world and you you know just so everyone knows on on the podcast you know david is one of our city leaders he is the individual here in dallas that is leading the charge and you know running the event uh, that happens on a monthly basis um, but it might help to step back a little bit and i'm just going to give a bit of an overview of what founders live is and where we're going and then that will frame not only the uh, year-long tour that i'm on that we can talk about as well as just any other in detail questions but um, basically, actually in 2014, you know, being a founder in Seattle, I was, um, I've worked on a few projects and I've been in, you know, been in the technology startup space, but I realized that it, it's, it's actually an incredibly, um, an incredibly lonely road. When you're a founder and you are building something, you realize that there's not necessarily a path that is established. You have to like make your own path. You also realize that it's pretty lonely. Uh, a lot of your family and friends don't really even understand what you're building or why you're building it. And um, so I realized like, hey, why don't we just create an event? Uh, let's get people together and have a good time. So in March 2014, uh, put on the first event. It was supposed to be just actually just a simple one-time event. Let's get people together, have food and drink. And um, we pre-selected five companies and we had a pitch competition. And even at that first event, we said, hey, why don't we just have them pitch for 99 seconds in front of the crowd. Um, then the crowd will have four minutes of opportunity to ask questions with this founder. 
And then at the end, um, after all five have presented and answered questions, we'll have the crowd vote on a winner. And oh my gosh, like that very first event, it was really fun. Everyone had a good time. And what ended up happening was I kept putting that event on in Seattle for like two years. And it wasn't even called Founders Live at the time. And, and so then after two years, we were growing and it was going really well. Um, I took a step back and realized, okay, this could actually work in other cities. But more importantly, I realized that the global entrepreneurial ecosystem was actually pretty disconnected. When you look at whether people are in Dallas, they're in Nashville, they're in Nairobi, Kenya, which by the way, at this moment in time, we're launching Nairobi, Kenya, they're having their first event, which is uh, so cool. And um, so we realized that those pockets of creativity and innovation are very disconnected. So it's people from other cities and areas of the world aren't actually able to connect in a way that they can facilitate, facilitate business, they can learn from each other, they can maybe even get investment. And so by creating Founders Live, the goal is to bring the global entrepreneurial ecosystem closer together to bring opportunities to these people that don't have as much opportunity as we do. And actually, if you look at the events that now take place as we're rolling out, we're now in 35 cities around the world. These are local events. They're celebrations of entrepreneurship. And they really give opportunity to not only um, highlight the talent coming out of those cities, but then as we start live streaming them to a global audience, that drastically increases the distribution and recognition of this talent in these startups that are in various cities and countries around the world. And once we have hundreds of thousands or millions of people around this brand, we believe it just blows the lid off of what's op the opportunities and what's possible around entrepreneurship globally. So, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, we're, it's going really well and it's been really fun to, to build this global system and community that is literally spreading to various crazy corners of the world that I never would have imagined. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. You know, even, even as Nicole and myself, you know, small business owners, it is super lonely sometimes trying to, because there's not a framework, there's not anything set in place where it's, hey, come into this office. These are the people you interact with. You know, everything is kind of what, what you make it. Um, but Founders Live, as opposed to a lot of other networking business style events that I've been to, just the energy itself. You know, Founders Live is so much about people with the same mindset, people that are either full, you know, fully employed, but want to start their own thing. People that have just made the jump, people that are a year in and, you know, treading above water. I mean, it's, it's just such a great collection of like-minded people that to me, that is just like the environment is just completely different than anything I've seen before. Even at other networking events, the main goal of most people is hand out a business card and then get more business cards. But Founders Live yeah. isn't like that at all. It's really idea changing and, you know, it's just really collaborative. And like I said, I don't know that I've been to anything like that before. Well, and yeah, and I'm glad you say that. And you, you definitely have a unique perspective, obviously, being a city leader. And you're, you're now you're kind of responsible for performing that in the Dallas environment. But, you know, here's what it is, man. And we can kind of dive into some of these things as well. But it's our core values. Honestly, man, it's, um, it's one of the most important and impactful decisions that I ever made. And I, I was walked through it by a business coach. 
And as, you know, smartly, I brought him around as we were, as I was really getting serious about building this brand and expanding, you know, he sat me down and said, what's important to you? And, you know, as a founder, when you're creating core values for a company, because you are the founder or the founding team, you're responsible to answer that question because it turns out it then becomes what's important to the company. But we sat down and, and he just said, hey, you know, what, what are some values that are very important to you? And number one came out very quickly around authentic, essentially authenticity and respect. And so it turned, I, I created the first core value is respectful authenticity. And, you know, try to name another quote business networking event that has that front and center that leads the whole thing. And you won't find one, or at least it's very difficult. So when you think about respectful authenticity, basically meaning you be your yourself, your authentic self, and actually be more, you know, um, you know, genuine, and maybe even, um, you know, being a little bit, um, what's the word, just uh, op more open and willing to um, share more than maybe others, because knowing that's a safe space that the the flip side of this whole thing is respecting others, which basically falls into inclusion. And we are here to solve that diversity and inclusion problem, or at least be a part of the solution. And so when you think about like core value of respectful authenticity, that's really unique. This, you know, the, another one, open the door. So doing great things for people without expecting a return, basically just pushing forward and, and doing great things and you know introducing people to others or just treating them very incredibly and well these sort of core values create a very unique experience that i don't think you see at other places and that's why we're starting to really grow and when people love it you know and then and then the last thing i would say is you know we definitely like to infuse music and just the upbeat nature of, of the event um all that together does create a very unique experience yeah you're you're totally right you know and and just kind of with the little segue of the respectful authenticity, inclusion, and everything else. And I know Nicole and I have talked even offline just at, at length about it. And, you know, Nick, you and I have talked about it some last week and the week before, um, you know, making sure that every event is well represented from cultural diversity, everything, because I mean, it brings just such an unbelievable element to those events, you know, just things that are not in your normal your normal daily life, but you get to see all of these other cultures and business ideas and these people that are doing and trying to get to, we're all trying to get to the same place. And it's just unbelievable to see. Um, and, and Nicole and I were talking about, you know, the whole thing with Live Oak Ventures um, last week, you know, and I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, the more that, the more that people, I don't want to say can be called out, but the more that we can make sure that, that kind of thing is more front and center, the better. Yeah, I feel like a recurring theme with each of our guests talking about how brand is evolving and the way that companies approach it is just that they do sort of need to take a stance on things and they do need to be more authentic like what you're talking about with a personal brand or a business. But not only are you guys doing that sort of behind the scenes and part of Founders Live, you're actually putting it out there into the universe, which before I even knew you were going to be on this podcast or maybe I knew, but I saw that on LinkedIn. I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. You know, it's just nice to see somebody 
doing that out loud and like you said, being authentic in every way. And it may or may not turn off some people or I think it's probably more of a positive than a con, but I mean, that's interesting to me. Somebody who's willing to take a stance on it publicly as well. And maybe, and maybe we could give a little context to that just for those who aren't exactly quite sure about what we're talking about. Nick, we'll let you kind of give some context to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, going with obviously the, the diversity and inclusion topic and thought process here. Um, like, honestly, I'll frame this as like live Oak ventures did nothing to me. Um, I have no ill will towards them, except that I, I actually read, this was a couple weeks ago. I read they had raised a new fund and, you know, I, I stay on top of this type of stuff and I noticed that they were in Austin and so I clicked on it and I clicked on their web web page. I just went to their website and I normally do this now where whether it's a startup or even investor, um, I like to go to their page and then I like to go to the about page and I just want to see who the team is and like, what's, who are we dealing with here? And, you know, I'm sorry, just outwardly, I'm sorry, but basically I look at their team and first thing I see is it's essentially on their investment team, it's all white males. Number one, there's probably eight or 10 of them. Let's go eight, you know, let's say eight of them, all white males. They have two females on the page and they, the females are basically office assistants. Um, and then, then I click to, because they, they write on the page, you know, we, you know, we believe in the teams that we, uh, we support and we fund and we're so grateful for all the great entrepreneurs that we fund. I click on that and it's like 35 men, no females, actually pretty much white men. You know, there is a little bit of cultural diversity uh, within those founders that they support. But, you know, I just outwardly like that to me was like, no, like we have to start vocalizing this issue. And I don't know if they've ever been called out or not, but I just posted on LinkedIn and I said, Hey, you know, like this is not right we as founders live do not support or would actually partner and do business with a venture capital firm such as this. There is no females that are represented in partners and or leadership. And there is zero females that they've even funded. I call bullshit on that. And I think we all should start calling BS on that. And, you know, I, I was not, I, I was simply stating truth. I was not, you know, doing anything that would be taken as illegal or negligent or anything. And, you know, my hope is that we can lead and that's again, living our core value of, you know, uh, as I've told you and all the city leaders, we, we have equal, if not two or three females on stage every month, we ideally, we have a diverse looking, you know, um, panel of presenters of founders. And when we see something like this, we say it out loud and hopefully they, in the end, uh, over time will change <laughs> if they see that the culture need, you know, they, they need to change that. That is just not right. When you're funding only female or only males, when you're funding only white males and having leadership partners, which by the way, let's understand when you're a partner at a venture capital firm, that means there's a lot of capital in the end or income that would be returned to you as a partner when there's a successful exit. So we're now looking at if there is no diversity in culture and or race and gender, then money is flowing specifically only to white males and not to other demographics and um, genders and individuals 
And, and, and this is wrong. And this is why our country is at a place where we're at. So I just want to, you know, we, we want to come out and say it. And I think it's important to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the last company I was at, the last one that my husband was at, there were larger corporations and same scenario. The executives were all older white men. The management team did not have females on it. Diversity in general, as far as race, was almost non-existent. So, and I want to say it was even the founder or CEO of Salesforce. I remember seeing an article or a story on him not that long ago where it was one of the top companies to work for and they did an internal audit and came up with the same realization about their company. Hmm. And every time companies merge, it happens again. So every time that you have a merger or anything, you have to reevaluate and readdress it. And then also just the idea that if, let's say, like gender equality, you have a company with a group just for women to like talk about that issue, it's sort of where those issues go to die. Because if you don't have buy-in from men or groups outside of that, it just never gains any traction. So personally, I appreciate that for sure. And I think it's the only way to really make progress on it. Well, thanks. And yeah, I think it's, look, this is, this is a deeper issue than I even realized initially. Um, This is something that's rooted in, in the history of our country, as well as like, as corporations have, more grown and established themselves. And then when you look at the history of venture capital, I mean, the venture capital was born in about fifties or sixties. And it was started with just like a group of 10 older white males that were more successful in business in Silicon Valley. And they really just turned around and were like, Hey, why don't we form this little group and start investing in early companies? And so when you realize the history of venture capital started with the roots of belief in this way, because then it was like, Hey, who do we know? Who's our friends that we could invest in? And, you know, we can go down that whole road. But um, the point is that there's just a history of this that we just need to now recognize and change. And the most important thing to do is continually vocalize and talk about it. And, um, you know, especially females, you know, really working towards helping more female led startups and companies uh, receive the funding they need to move forward. That is just hugely important. And then the next next thing is, you know, diversity and culture and um, race and making sure that the, the, the numbers start to even out. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I'm more learning every day and it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, but gosh, we, we need to talk about it because the reason why it's still a problem is because no one's talking about it. That's the big thing. Right. So what was some of the other feedback that you got, maybe both positive and negative, like, um, I guess, like just on like in the days after that, um, five minutes after I posted it, I had two or three friends, like literally they texted me and be like, what happened? (laughs) What what, what did they do to you? And I was like, dude, I, I basically said the same thing that I just told you. I said, nothing happened. I, here's like, I literally just saw their page. I think it's wrong. And I think we need to start talking about it. And I do think Founders Live is at a size now where we can start throwing around our weight to bring these issues to light. And, you know, I think I need definitely myself and the entire company needs to be careful of the way that we state these things and bringing these to light. But um, yeah, it was funny. There was, I had a number of people like, what? 
did they do something to you or what? And then, um, and then after probably I would say hours afterwards, the, I mean, if you look at that thread, like so many people are like, thank you. Thank you for saying this, you know? And, and so the response has been generally positive, which is like, you see it say something. And, um, so it's been pretty positive, which I, I like. And honestly, it, you know, it's kind of like gone down the stream and, you know, I, I don't think it needed to be too much of an issue, but I think over time, these things should be more commonplace. So if you see something like that, just post about it. Right. Well, and I think initially it feels like you said, people contacting you being like, what happened? I think it can feel combative, but I don't think that needs to be the case. I think it could be a positive thing. You know, like we're all dressing it, we're working together to fix it. And I think when you look at the work and the outcomes and the stories that come from being on a more diverse group or team, it's all positives. You know, everyone wins and it's a good direction to go down. It just unfortunately has to be brought to light first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, David, I know that you mentioned earlier that um, wanted to talk a little bit more about brand and, and, and some of the stuff we've built. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So I know whenever you, you know, I know you've started Founders Live more in Seattle and the, even internally here with our small Dallas team, like our goal is to be Founders Live Seattle. You know, we want to have that event where it's two or 300 people every single month and it just becomes like that thing to go to in Dallas, you know, so that's our, that's our common goal here locally. But what are, what are your thoughts? Like once you've kind of gotten past Seattle, you know, like Seattle can almost kind of stand on its own footing and kind of where you are now, where it's in multiple other cities, it's starting to pick up traction, even international cities. And you have some, you know, coming up on the board, like whenever it comes to making sure you're bringing on the right people, carrying on the brand, the white, the right way. So making sure that everybody carries those same values and all of that kind of stuff when they're literally miles, hundreds of miles away from each other. I mean, Nicole and I and the rest of our team, you know, none of us are in the same state, but even that sometimes, I mean, that presents its own share of problems because we're not in the same building together where we can literally just jump into a quick meeting room, talk on a certain issue, and then that issue is, you know, resolved and we all know what we're doing. It's so much harder. And I know that you know, Founders Live has a Slack channel. We do what monthly calls just to kind of give updates and all of that kind of stuff. But what are some of the problems that you've come across just with the growth and making sure that you don't come into a city where they're doing Founders Live, just getting it off the ground and you go to the event and you're like, wait a minute, that is not at all what I had envisioned. We need to, we need to pump the brakes a minute. Yeah, that's a good question. And um, I mean, this was when so in 2016 is when I actually really formed the company we incorporated and then really into roughly late 2016 early 2017 started expanding to new cities and um you know that's when we put together like the playbook and you know the whole city leader package and what I realized was okay like if you give people a framework and you give it as much detail as possible of essentially, you know, here's A to Z of the event, here's what you do. You know, most people, such as yourself, you 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 know this, but you just know you know the direction. Um essentially if you think about north, south, east, west, you know not only the are you gonna go north, south, east, west, but maybe even north, east or you know whatnot. Um you know the direction. And the way I describe it to new city leaders is 
you know, here's essentially like the bumper plates. Here's the things that you need to keep in mind and then, you know, follow it 80 to 90%. And then the other percent you're wrapping in your culture and in your, your community, such as like Nairobi is happening right now. Now I, 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 I know that if I was there or walked into that room right now, it will generally be founders live. But what I don't know is the kind of the culture specifically to African and, and especially Kenyan um, uh, culture. And so that's the cool thing about founders live is we give a direction and a, a guideline of the brand and experience and the non-negotiables of you call it founders live Nairobi. You um, are doing, you know, you have the first hours like food, drink and excitement and fun and, you know, music, but then you sit down and you have the pitches and they're all, they're 99 seconds, four minutes Q and a, the crowd votes at the end. And when you think about that, um, giving, you know, giving a directive of a framework uh, helps people know what direction to go. And then they can wrap the, their culture and their kind of uniqueness of their city uh, within that. And so, um, so I think that just like being very detailed on, you know, what is your brand? What's the messaging? And that's internal to employees as well as external to the market. Um, and then, and then creating something that can be repeated an experience that can be repeated, whether that's an event like we're doing, or, you know, maybe you have a retail store and you have 10 locations and those locations should be very, very similar and experience should be very much the same. Uh, I think Starbucks has done a tremendous job of this over the years of you walk into a Starbucks, no matter in the U S or some other country, and you're going to feel pretty much the same feeling. And that has been our goal with Founders Live. Um, but yeah, I think it's communication, it's creating the right messaging, the branding, you know, uh, is across the, the, you know, those, those cities. And then again, like the monthly calls and the, the touch points that we have communication wise is always important. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, it's great to be able to see some video from Founders Live in other cities and kind of see some of the spin that they put on it. And I love that we have that platform where we can use Slack or we can use those calls and kind of figure out what what works best, you know, just kind of those, hey, we figured out the whole sponsorship thing. We figured out how to crush those first 15 minutes. You know, I mean, that that's great because it's multiple, multiple people doing kind of trials and getting errors and getting success stories. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great way to really kind of help streamline that process a little bit more. So, so tell us a little bit more about, um, about what it's like to have been on the road for, well, I guess what, three and a half months now. Yeah. So this is a big one. Um, the, I'll save the, the details, but, um, long story short, you know, um, big life change happened at the end of the year. Uh, my girlfriend and I have almost five years, we ended up ending our relationship and, you know, that was for a number of reasons, but I would say the, one of the big ones was, you know, just, I'm, I, I'm feeling pulled in the direction of, um, growing this company and, and just being on a worldwide scale. It's, it's actually, it can be very, it, it's different when you, when you have a company that is doing what I'm doing and seeing where the potential could go. I was just in a place, not only personally, like myself was going one direction and I think the, the relationship was being needing to be pulled in a different direction. So, so we ended right. And when I realized that that was ending literally in December of 2018, um, not the best time to, 
to move out and end a relationship, but that's another story. I, I started looking and saying, you know what, I, I could either just stay in Seattle or geez, I know people in like 40 plus cities around the world. And I just took out a Google document and started writing and realizing like, if I went on the road, where would I go? And how long would I go for? And I started mapping it out and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to go live in various cities, Founders Life cities for the next year. Um, and I decided, you know, one month for each city or region. And yep, I pretty much decided it pretty quickly and hit the road at the end of December. And I, you know, when I first went to Boise, Idaho, I have family there and so I was there for the holidays. And then, you know, from there went south and was in California for February and um, was in LA, San Francisco and San Diego. And then uh, March down into Austin, but I, I, we stopped in Phoenix for startup week and had an event there. And then I've been, I was in Austin for most of the month of March. And then I've been in Dallas for April. And uh, then next month I'll go to Denver and Boulder. That'll be May. And then in June, head up to Minneapolis, uh, spend most of the month up in kind of north in that area in Minneapolis. And then in July, shoot over to the East Coast, be in, in uh, Boston for July, DC for August, and then New York in September. And then I'll head over to, I mean, the plan is to head to Africa and spend time in the kind of Eastern part of Africa. And so I'll hit like Kenya, Tanzania, and um, you know, uh, Zimbabwe and South Africa and then head to Southeast Asia for November, and then hopefully end the year in South America, in Buenos Aires and um, in Brazil. And that is, that is probably about 25,000 miles, and um, it's, it's, it's crazy. So it's been an amazing experience. Um, I can tell you that, you know, I basically packed up all my stuff. I have no home in Seattle. I'm literally living on the road, and uh, meeting people like yourself, and working with our teams, and, you know, I've had a number of meetings here in Dallas this month and just meeting the entrepreneurs. And the whole goal is to experience what entrepreneurship is like in other cities and other countries. Because sitting in Seattle, building this company, thinking that I know everything because I'm an entrepreneur and a founder in Seattle is very, very faulty. And that's really one of the main reasons I wanted to go out and do this. And then secondly, I just want to challenge myself. So here we are. Yeah, sounds like an exciting nine months coming up. Oh yeah, I mean it. it I'm it's it's crazy. It you know being on the road, dealing with there's things that you deal with that that are so taken for granted when you when you are in your city and you live at your house, um, and so it's very much a, a learning experience. You have to overcome really quick, you know, quickly overcome challenges that you might uh, not have to do in your own city. But the random experiences uh, definitely overweigh the little challenges the experience. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, when we finished the last one, I was just wondering. Obviously, it's a great personal experience, and like you said, I can see where identifying some of the challenges that your the different cities that have this are facing is going to help you be a better facilitator in different ways. But it, do you have other goals or growth ideas for Founders Live that you feel like will directly benefit from all your travels? Yeah, it, I mean, if you think about it, it's so. So yes, the goals are you know as I go to these new cities, um, there's a few things. Number one, 
every every single event, whether it's Seattle or any city that I'm in, every single event, people come up to me and say, hey, I I want to I want to bring this back to the city I grew up in, or I've got a friend that lives in X Y Z city or country. So by by natural occurrence, you know the expansion happens, and me being in all these other cities increases the chance of that natural expansion. You know, like at the Dallas event that we had on April fourth, um, you know, people came out to me and wanted to talk about Brazil, which I met with them, and they're gonna we're looking at taking this back to Brazil. Um, Asia, so various parts of Southeast Asia, other countries, even Nepal. There, there, there is entrepreneurship in Nepal, and I'm, I'm excited to see if we can launch there and some other countries in that area. So, number one, expansion. Um, number two, um, it really just it. You know, for me being in these cities, like as I have been in Dallas most of the month, being able to meet with the other entrepreneurs that were maybe at the event. I mean, David, there is a lot of people because of Startup Week. They're like, man, I went to Startup Week. I never had heard of Founders Live. And now I'm like here. And then they meet me. They want to meet with me for coffee. And now we're tied in. Is a close, we're closer. We're communicating. And so just making the connections with entrepreneurs and getting their story was another big goal. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, there's just, um, there, there, there's, the experience of um, kind of stretching myself and the brand to like these various corners of the world. Um, there, there's things that I don't even know they're going to happen yet. Uh, some of them I would suggest that they might be more entertainment Hollywood oriented. I'm just going to say that um, some of them might be, you know, more just being able to be on podcasts like this and just these random occurrences that end up, naturally growing the brand and myself. Um, th- th- those are the goals, you know, outside of my personal stretching myself goals. I'm also curious, cause you guys are sort of uniquely positioned for this with Founders Live. You have so many people coming in and pitching new ideas and starting new businesses or facing branding for the first time. Is there something that sticks out to you that they face or maybe a couple of people who've done it extremely well as far as like really blowing something up or killing it from get go on branding, just anything that sticks out in your mind that kind of you guys have noticed after watching so many people come across and pitch these ideas. I think that's a good question. I'll answer it this way. Um, you know, what makes a successful pitch or what, what have I heard or seen repeatedly that it's like, wow, they, they really nailed it. And honestly, and David, you're going to see this more often as you continue to roll this is simplicity is huge. Like, you know, so when I, when I coach founders as they prepare for their pitch, you really just want to, you want the room to come away with the one main idea about your company. And that one main idea is like, you got to really nail that. But um, basically having a simple but strong pitch um, you know, when you talk for 99 seconds, that, that is a long time. If you think about it, it's also a very short period of time. It's a short period of time when people try to smash all the data points and all the crap in. Right. Um, so preparing for your 99 second pitch, the ones that have really nailed it, they, they definitely have already done the work to identify what's the one thing we do and we do it at world-class and we do it the best. 
And then that is your, your main point that you want to deliver. And then the rest of the time, the rest of the minute and a half, you use that as support to drive that point to the end. And, um, you know, so depending on what the company is and depending on what their business is, they have to prepare for that and figure that out. But, um, I think it all, it, it, it evolves around, you know, they've, they've nailed their pitch. They, they have the one main thing that they want to drive home. They then have their, their messaging to support that the, the visuals and the design all is tightened up into a cohesive experience and um, they've practiced. And, and that's another thing is that they've definitely put in the time and the effort to practice working with pitch coaching or whatnot to really prepare for that opportunity on stage. And, and the converse here is you can totally tell when someone hasn't and you can totally tell when they haven't done the work of what is their main message? What, are, what is the unique value proposition that they've created and why should people care? And they feel like they're bunching in too much and they feel like that they're, they're, they're shooting from the hip and the moment you're on stage, you're in front of hundreds of people, they're going to be nervous and they're not going to come across well polished. Yep, that that's exactly right. I mean, and I think that's even just from a global standpoint, that's even kind of some of the same approach we take whenever we're working with companies on their message, on their brand, their website, things of that nature. It's start with your main focus, start with your audience, start with the pain point, start with what you deliver and the value you bring. Everything else then becomes supporting for that, you know? Um, and I mean, I think that that kind of thing really stays, whether you're somebody that's just trying to get off the ground or whether you, you've been in business 10 years, you know, people relate to the story that you tell. People relate to when you say, this is the issue we're trying to solve and this is how we're going to do it. If you want to help us solve it, this is how you can. That's a lot more inspiring than just saying, here's a list of our 20 services. You know, because people don't care about that. They want to be, they want to care about what you're doing. And if you can figure out a way to tap into where they can help you solve that pain point, like you said, you're going to win every time. Yeah. And I look, I would just add um, that, you know, going back to, you know, formulating some of the core values that falls into your messaging, you know, really identifying what's the problem that you're solving in, in the world. Like literally, what is the problem? Okay, now that we have the problem, here's our solution. Here's the thing that we do. And this is why we're unique. And just even stair stepping through that helps an early stage company identify who they are, what they're doing, and what their messaging is, and their essentially their identity as a company. And what's so amazing about this, and just a lesson for people listening, is you should, through that process, you should end up turning people off in a way you want that if you are trying to be the 20 things for everyone you're not going to go anywhere because yeah you're too spread out and you're trying to solve everyone's problem and that is impossible um, the more detailed direct and pinpointed you are in what you stand for and what your pro the problem you're solving and the solution you're bringing to the table the more you're going to be attractive to a certain segment which ends up meaning you'll get traction. You'll actually get users and customers and you'll grow and you'll turn people away and, or companies away. And that's great because you want to be deflecting companies or customers that aren't really meant to be your customers. And you want to be attracting the ones that 
do want to be your customers. And the more clear you are with your message, the more that's going to happen quicker. And that creates momentum and that creates growth. And that's what startups really actually live on. And so these are all the things that, man, I tell you, like going back, you know, the eight, nine years that I've been up and running as an entrepreneur, I've learned this the hard way. I've learned this by trial and error. And now that Founders Live is essentially an engine and a system that is pulling in and seeing hundreds at some point, thousands of new startups a month. I'm starting to see a trend, you know, I'm starting to see the, the, the things that work and the things that don't. And our goal is to then start wrapping in education and training on the things that work and teaching these startups, like how to approach this. And, you know, when we're on a very much global scale and we're talking about not only pitching to hundreds of people in the room, but possibly tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands around the world, the stakes are a lot higher, but that'll be really exciting to see. It's as interesting as you're talking through it, like visually in my mind, I'm, I'm picturing the overlap with design, how you could apply it. Just so for instance, if you're built, if you're designing a poster or campaign piece and your client keeps telling you to make the logo bigger and then make this picture bigger and then make this text bigger. And you also want your subheading to be bigger. So in essence, they're afraid of leaving anything out. Yeah. Yeah, I no, I'll take that. I'll take that up. Um, it is like if everything's important, nothing's important. And it, you know what? What happens is there. This is when when founders are early in their process, they haven't done enough research, market research, and customer development to realize the exact problem and pain point they're solving. And and I'll actually take it this way. As a founder, if you are saying, wouldn't it be great if, here's a really, really interesting business idea. I'm thinking that you're, you're trying to like take a solution and find a problem and that's just not the right way to do it. And, and so by identifying a problem in the world, which, you know, it took me a long, actually took me a while to realize with Founders Live, the problem is whether it's, I mean, it was 2016, but now it's 2019. The world is still very disconnected. I don't care. We've got LinkedIn. We've got Facebook. We've got the internet. But when you look at the entrepreneurial ecosystems all around the world and these people that are wanting to be entrepreneurs or already entrepreneurs, they lack connection to others that are doing the same things. They lack information that can help them move forward quickly. They lack capital, obviously. They lack global distribution and opportunities. That's the problem. And that's where Founders Live is coming in and solving that, which three, four years ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Secondly, people are like, okay, this is a cool event, but how are you going to create a business out of it? And by realizing that there's major problems in the world that we're going to solve, that's how I started to approach it. So um, I think when you look at, when you look at the, um, trying to be everything to everyone is, is, is just like such a faulty way to think about a startup and an innovation. And you really need to identify in the market, what problem or pain point can you bring a solution to and nail that? Not everything else, just nail that because that's what they're going to pay you for. That's what customer one is going to pay you for. Then there's 10 customers Then there's a hundred, then there's a thousand. And now you're actually running a successful business. 
right? That always seems to be the hardest part, especially for entrepreneurs, small business owners, is you see everything that you want to tackle right away. And that's not feasible, nor can you do it. And, it's, and you certainly can't do it well, you know? So, I mean, and that's my business coaches, that's her biggest thing. It's, you know, plan the work and then work the plan. Don't worry about all of these other things that are, that may be ancillary that you can pick up in nine months that'll still be there. Worry about the thing you need to get done by Friday. Be really, really focused and then continue to make edits on that, you know? And just as a small business owner, I mean, I think that's just, that's my, always my biggest takeaway and her, her kind of repeating that always stays in my mind as well. Yeah, I'll add to that. And this, I also attribute this to um, business coach that I've been working with is um, look, if you, I don't care what phase the company you're in, if you are not already thinking in quarters, then you're already behind the game. So what he helped me understand is basically 90 days is a good chunk of time. So if you think about a year, there's four quarters and you know, public companies think about this and this is the way they operate. And so it's important that you as an early stage company thinks about this. So break your year up into four quarters, which basically means 13 weeks. And, you know, I could spend an hour talking about this, but just simply put, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, you want to establish your yearly initiatives. Like what are the things, the three to five things that we want to accomplish this year, major things, then break those up into quarterly focuses. And then, you know, when it's in January, you're looking at Q1 and when you're, it's, we're now in Q2. And so you should have your, you know, second quarter goals and what we call uh, milestones and priorities. What are the three to five things you want to accomplish this quarter, literally in the next 90 days? And, and, and then met, you know, you're measuring them, you are uh, tracking them. And then these are the things you go and do for the next three months. And you can break those down into weekly and daily focuses. So it's really, it's, it's essentially the other way to say, you know, um, create the plan and work it. And um, that has tremendously helped me. And I'm totally simplifying a more larger conversation that I have with other founders. But what do you want to accomplish this year? You got to figure it out. You got to write it down. Okay, back it up. How do you chunk it into 90-day sprints? And then this quarter, what are you doing? What, what do you want to accomplish? And then what are the things on a weekly and then daily basis you plug into your calendar that you then work? Right. So then, so your yearly priorities go into the quarterly and, you know, priorities. And then on a, your calendar actually has the things that you want to accomplish that go back up into the quarterly uh, initiative or the, the yearly initiatives that you actually move your company for. So it's a process. And, and it, it really is like, what are the next things that you need to get done? And you forget all the hundred other things that are on your list that, that actually aren't as important. Right. Well, Nick, we can't let you go without at least getting one story from the road. And I know that your trip has been, you know, relatively short so far, but, um, but give us one thing. And I know that you and your, uh, you and, the guy that's with you, I know that you're not just, you know, driving over in the car, flying in. I know you guys are taking an awesome way and traveling and, you know, exploring each city. So give us a little something from the road. <laughs> well, um, it, it's funny when I went on, when I started the whole world tour, there was the, the assumption was I was just going to fly from city to city. And um, our city leader in San Francisco, once he heard about this trip, 
he actually introduced me to his good friend whose name is Raleigh and Raleigh has, he's, he bought a bus. He, he, um, totally cleared it out and rebuilt it internally to pretty much create an RV. And we're now, uh, rolling in it, but basically he introduced us in, in January. We had a couple, couple phone calls and I basically said, Hey, you know, it'd be pretty cool if someone that has a bus that would want to go on the road and hang out and drive me and drive with me around um, the country for a while. And, and he, he just jumped at it and was like, I'm in. So we met for, um, we met in person when I was in California, but then we set this all up and the beginning of March, he picked me up in Las Vegas at the airport and we just hit the road. And so I did not plan on this, but it was now like a road trip and we're now, we were driving, um, basically we went from, from Vegas down through, um, Utah and Arizona in the first like three or four days. I mean, we're hitting like Bryce Canyon, we're hitting Zion national park, we're hiking and, um, pretty much in between the cities, I'm just getting these crazy, awesome experiences that parts of the country I've not really seen or been too much around, um, just the beauty of the Southwest and all that. Um, and so like, you know, some nights we're, we're camping and we're sleeping there. And then some nights we'll, I'll be in an Airbnb, but, oh man, you know, like roll, like in, in this bus has Wi-Fi. So between cities, I'm like kicking it, you know, in there I'm working, you know, it's like we're rolling down the highway and I'm actually like working. And it, I mean, it just, it, it feels, it's amazing. And so that, that has been, I would say one of the highlights to this point is just, the randomness and, and the ability to actually be on the road, um, drive from city to city. And then between those spend a couple of days, check out, you know, national parks, see areas of the country that I have not, they're basically flyover areas and, um, and doing that. So, so that's that, um, he will be, so we drive to Denver next and then he's actually heading back to San Francisco to take care of some, some job stuff. And, you know, so, so we'll be done here at the, beginning of May. Um, but it's been an amazing two months of just actually touring, um, on the road in a, in a bus and experiencing things that I never would have thought before. Is he leaving you the bus? <laughs> Unfortunately not. No, but, um, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that this is not the last tour bus that I'll be on in during this year. So, um, more, more to come on that one, but I feel like you keep giving us little sneaks with the whole Hollywood and now the tour bus comment. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. And, you know, honestly, it's because I don't know much more than you, except I, I kind of know what's going on. But um, yeah, I, I will, I'll finish up by saying, you know, look, I think everyone should take a world tour at some point, whatever that means to you. And it doesn't need to be a year, but to take this risk, it, it is a risk, but to, open up it's opened up so many new directions opportunities connections in my life storylines that are developing opportunities for the company and a lot of them are just kind of evolving and so i don't know but um the the opportunity to work with people that i never would have met before to the, obviously when you go on a world tour like this people say oh my gosh that person's committed and that's why they want to work with you. That that's the main re, that's the main thing is they're like holy crap like to do that they are committed and commitment shows others like 
okay, I can trust them. Let's work on things because there, there, there's a lot here. And so by, um, by going on this trip, it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so the reason why I'm teasing some of these things is not, I, I don't necessarily know where they're going to end up, but there's opportunities that have happened over the last two months that I totally, like, I, I never would have thought that, that would have happened. And, and so um, the lesson is take the risks, definitely open yourself up to opportunities and you'll be surprised of where they go. I love that. Yeah, that's inspiring. Yeah. Well, tell everybody how we can follow you, um, where you're going to be next, what the, what the next event date location is so that people can connect with you when you're in their city. Yes. Um, you can find me, you know, obviously, so founderslive.com is um, a social platform. We're all on there. So um, you can find me on there. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, all the main ones. So feel free to reach out on any one of those platforms. Um, and then the next, let's see, I, ha- I go to Denver um, at the beginning of May. And our Denver event is May 9th. So I'm excited for that. And then, then we have an event in Bozeman, Montana, which will be June, June 5th. And then Minneapolis event, June 19th. And so that's really, that's kind of the next, the next calendar. Um, and then if you're like, if you're in Boston, New York, um, DC on the East coast, um, I'll be there in July through September. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me. And if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, this sounds awesome. I want founders live in our city. Um, also reach out to me and uh, let's talk because we're, we're, we are in massive expansion right now and um, would love to chat with you. Amazing. Yes. And we will have all of that in the show notes, every single way to get in touch with Nick. And thank you so much again for your time today. Hey, thank you both so much. And again, David, thank you for all your work as well. So you got it. Thank you again, Nick. Have a good one. Nick. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe on iTunes or Google Podcasts. Also, if you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on Delivering Extra, we'd love to hear from you. Just email David or Nicole at thelandyapgroup.com. You can also submit any questions or comments by following us on Instagram at thelandyapgroup or emailing us directly. Thank you again for listening to Delivering Extra. Join us next time as we chat with Alexa Carlin. Alexa is a nationally renowned public speaker as well as the founder and CEO of Women Empowerment X the largest event for female entrepreneurs on the East Coast. Until then, remember, every post, every tweet, every like, every email, every call, every engagement is a reflection of your brand. Are you going above and beyond and showing your customers how much they mean to you? Make sure you're always delivering extra, period.